we didn't realize that really along the way we had shattered so many stereotypes yeah. so many stereotypes most of which was that only men can do foreign policy and so and also that only diplomats can do foreign policy you know i've been a business journalist with a degree in international affairs and law but it 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 shouldn't matter it really it's what you care about Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Warrior Queen podcast. Once again, my name is Joe, and this week we are joined by Miss Manjeet Kripalani, journalist, co-founder of Gateway House, and author, recent author, of India in the G20, Rule Taker to Rule Maker. Manjeet, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm delighted uh, to be on your show. Yes, and we're delighted to have you. Um, so today we want to have a conversation. Uh, we are on the Warrior Queen podcast. We're looking to empower women, especially Oppie women, uh, into telling their stories and having their voices be heard. Um, so I will start our, our conversation today as I've started many of them, which is what does the term Warrior Queen mean to you? Well, since I do know the original Warrior Queen, <laughs> it does it does say uh, the, the Queen of Chansey, the running of Chansey. And uh, this is a phrase that we all use nonstop throughout our lives when we want to ask people, why are you being unnecessarily brave? Mm. And we always asked, why are you being the Rani of Chansi? And really that was, it was in our, while growing up as a woman uh, in India, that's what you thought, you know, that the impossible, the brave was the warrior queen of Chansi. And so when you look at other women, everybody around you is a potential warrior queen. And when they do things that, that is unnecessarily brave, then you, you think to yourself, that's the warrior queen. So in a sense, it is, um, it's the women who have overcome against all odds. It is the women who want to overcome against all odds. Um, it is the women who use all their assets and forge ahead. It is the women who... Uh, pull other women along um, when they are ahead. And I think that's uh, very important. And we know from the story of the warrior queen that she had an advance guard who was also a warrior. Um, so the women, the, the warriors need their advance guard too. Mm. And those advance guards are warriors too. So uh, uh, as, uh, you know, the path is already trodden, there's already a warrior queen ahead of you and we just have to follow in the footsteps or in the you know hooves of the horse riding warrior queen very true and uh, the, the example has been set and, and you reference it very beautifully i think that was probably one of the best definitions we've got so far on the show um very informed from the story and you, you mentioned it as unnecessarily brave which I, I think i understand exactly where you're coming from with that but i think we should also comment that in our, our current time period, that it is becoming necessarily brave to, to act in those footsteps. Absolutely right. Um, I, I said it in jest, unnecessarily brave, the way people talk about Joan of Arc, right? right but right. It, is, uh, it is that it, it takes courage to be unnecessarily brave. And um, we have to learn 
to go beyond because women are already, now that we are aware that we are equal and mm-hmm. we were not a very long time ago, um, not very long time ago, now that we are aware, it has to take more than just necessary courage. It really has to take unnecessary bravery mm-hmm. uh, to forge ahead. And uh, we have to learn not just how to forge ahead, but to stay ahead. Right. Um, and that's very important uh, because many times there are setbacks and sometimes it becomes very difficult for women to overcome the setbacks. So it is very important for us to be unnecessarily brave, you know, to make sure that we stay ahead. Uh, and these are, these are our own battles. We have to fight our own battles. We have, to, we have to ensure that we carry people along with us. It's not always easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really have to do our best. And the key is to be as, to be as true to your purpose uh, as possible. Because in the end, where we go and where we take ourselves and the path that we carve really is one that has to, one that we have to, li- we have to be happy with. So uh, we always have to make sure that we, we carve a path and that there is a, we have taken one step forward uh, so that the person behind us can take a step ahead of us. Right. And it's that much easier for them to keep yes. moving. Uh, and it's very important that the sense of community um, that that as as we lead to change things, as the warrior queen rides forward, that as you said, there's that forward guard, that there's other people also leading the way and they are showing their uh, their close family, their close friends, how to lead the way. And it becomes yes. a spider web effect. And it's very important That's to right. maintain that. That's right. Um, That's right. So I'm sure you've come across many of these hurdles and, and had to really lead the charge in forming Gateway House um, in your early journalism career. I was doing some research into your past and I came upon something that I wanted to, to propose to you. So I came across an interview um, that you did a few years back and you mentioned that the, the attacks of 9-11 Yes. Um, when those happened, they propelled you back into your schooling, into your books, and you were reading books that you had. And it was that moment of inspiration yes. that started to form your path to Gateway House. Uh, yes. So 9-11, actually, I remember uh, when it happened, I was a, um, I was due for, I was traveling to Delhi to have an interview with the prime minister at that time. I was a journalist. Mm-hmm. And I saw, I was at the airport and I saw the TV screens with the towers falling. And I thought to myself, well, there goes my interview. I went to Delhi anyway, and it was quite a remarkable moment because, you know, India had been warning the world about this for a long time. And the world had not really taken cognizance uh, of it. And uh, the Bush administration really didn't pay attention, uh, partly because they were absorbed with other agendas. Um, And you're right, I then, I then went back, I pulled out all my old books and power and principle, and I looked up my old uh, um, uh, texts, and I started to reread them again to try and understand really what was going on. And yes, it did rekindle my, mm. um, my love for foreign policy, which is what my, my, my master's, second master's degree is. And, and I then, um, it, the world became, it wasn't just business that had globalized. 
-hmm. but it really was security that had become globalized. It wasn't, it was terrorism that had become globalized. And it reached the far shores of the US from just being part of the subcontinent. And you're right, that was an early step to, to my founding of Gateway House. But what really created the founding of Gateway House um, was the um, uh, was the similar attacks in Mumbai in 2611, mm -hmm. uh, where, as you know, for three days the city was held uh, uh, was under siege. And um, I had already thought about the establishment of Gateway House. I'd come back from the Council of Foreign Relations, which I loved being at, and I learned so much um, from there. And after the attacks, it became very clear that what we needed was foreign policy. And I remember speaking to my co-founder at that time. She was the Indian uh, Consul General in New York, which is an ambassadorial post in our system. Uh, and, um, you know, we both decided that we, Mumbai needed an institute like this. We actually didn't give it a second thought, being women. We just didn't. We just decided we were going to do it. And I went ahead and we started to talk to people. And after the attacks, of course, everyone came and said, what was that thing you wanted to do? Can you please explain it again? <laughs> and so we explained the thing to them. Yeah. And um, it, didn't, it didn't worry us that we were women. But, and I think partly because we really, the job of setting up a think tank is so gargantuan mm. that if we stopped to think about all the things that could set us back, we would have never made it. Mm -hmm. So we just forged ahead uh, with a gender neutral head and we were gender neutral. We, um, we managed until we started, when we set up, I remember until then people giving us feedback and saying, what's that thing that you're doing? You know, very, very patronizing. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember thinking, you know, sorry, pal, that's your problem. You think it's a thing right. because you haven't tried to do something that we have. And so when you try and do it, I know you're not going to call it a thing. So we have to just, we just ignored it and we set up Gateway House. And we didn't realize that really along the way, we had shattered so many stereotypes, yeah. so many stereotypes, most of which was that only men can do foreign policy. And so, and also that only diplomats can do foreign policy. You know, I've been a business journalist with a degree in international affairs and law, but it, it, it shouldn't matter. It really, it's what you care about and right. what your passion is and how much you care and what you can do about it. Right, and what you can bring to the table. And, and you brought and you can bring so to much table. to that. And you say you approached, you didn't even think about being a woman when approaching it and you shouldn't. You know, that that is exactly how it should be. The gender shouldn't even play a role in thinking to form something like Gateway House or um, or any other administration or organization. And it's the fact that when you have to think about it, that's the problem because you shouldn't that's right. have to think about it. Exactly. Um, and even now, if we stop to think about it, I mean, we will just, we'll, the whole the whole house can come tumbling down on us because there is still so much of a resistance mm -hmm. uh, to to what women do, and especially when women try and change things in what is traditionally a man's world. I mean, one can get derogatory comments from you know from here to Timbuktu, and but if we start thinking about it, you know, we'll never we'll never make a change. Yeah.
and you can downward spiral, you can consume yourself in that matter and, and it won't change anything. You're exactly correct. Right. It's, it's persevering outside of it that will. Um, with the exception of platforms, I think like this, where we are going back into that topic to tell the story to others so that they don't have to think about it. So that they are encouraged to say, hey, you know what? Manjit did not think about this. She just propelled forward. I think I'm gonna do the same thing. And I'm going to, all, all of the negative comments, I'm going to put that to the side and I'm going to keep on my path and keep going and lead this charge and do what I'm trying to accomplish. Um, those are the stories that we want to tell. And, and that is why we're very happy to have you on the show. Um, doubling back to, to um, the question that I had asked you and the reason I brought up um, those events as much as we'd like to not remember the, those hard times as we are in another period of hard times, um, is because I wanted to talk a little bit about how sometimes personal trauma or even in this instance, global trauma can propel change. Um, when we see those around us struggling, it almost fires a passion in the individual to then stand up and say, this is my time now to talk. I'm empowered by the struggle around me. I'm wondering your thoughts on that concept. It has, it has not been a compulsion for me hmm. to have to talk about uh, my struggle, partly because I really have just been just walking and moving forward. Right. And uh, I'm happy to, uh, I'm, I'm, I will always assist somebody who asks me for it. And I feel that the most important thing for us at this stage is to lead by example. Mm -hmm. So our job, so my job at Gateway House is to uh, make my institution a safe place for women, uh, a safe place for men, a safe place for intellectual ideas, mm -hmm. uh, a safe place for uh, dissent, uh, intellectual dissent, uh, a safe place for um, young people to start thinking that they want to or don't want to do what their parents tell them to do, but in a good, safe environment where they can think it through. Mm. They're not just, it's not just an emotional reaction. And I'll tell you um, uh, something we've, we've had as, you know, around the world, this happens around the world. There's, uh, you know, men prey on women, women prey on men. Uh, it works both ways. And, um, we, we really work very hard. And I think that particularly in, in a world that has been very closed, mm -hmm. you know, the policy world is a very closed world. It's very, some used to be a very secretive world. Now it's a little less secretive. Um, just like the academic world used to be a very closed world. And now it's a little less, less closed. Um, these are highly intellectual and um, highly select and elite uh, worlds where nothing really gets out. Mm. And we wanted to make it a point to say that in terms of people's sexuality and in terms of safety, they will, we really work hard to ensure that there will never be a problem at, at our institution. And should, should, there will be, should there be, it will be handled but we are extremely sensitized to it. And I know that across these worlds, there are many, both men and women, who endure a lot. 
they endure all kinds of harassment and they are afraid to speak up because they don't want to leave, lose their positions right or lose their uh, ability to influence policy making i mean these are all very noble um, endeavors i mean that's why people right. join the for the policy world because you want to make a change right but if you are if you are repressed either as a woman sexually or as a young man uh, by by being told you don't have enough in, in intellectual talent um these things are problematic and so in our organization being two women we work very very hard to keep it a totally gender neutral neutral any hint of a problem is reported to us and thirdly it is an we have an open office system there are no cabins and it's almost a little bit like a newsroom but not even that we have a wrap around desk uh, around the office and there's a center table mm-hmm. around which everybody hears so that the young people can listen in to the conversations of quote unquote grown-ups mm-hmm. right whether it's a minister uh, coming from any any country or or the chief of staff or any we get many many important policy makers who who come through our doors that everybody including the interns gets to listen to them these are not privileged conversations they're privileged within our institution but they are not privileged to just a few and it is very important because maybe even young people don't they may not understand things intellectually because they're still young and not that exposed but by osmosis they pick up a lot and it stays with them and this is very very it was very important for us and that's why when you have a big open office kind of system mm-hmm. there's not a lot to hide including your brightness right. so we those are the two things that i think as women as a women led institution we uh, we were very sensitive about so no hierarchy and really no um, no no um, no sense of sort of harassment at all yeah i mean that sounds like almost an ideal scenario for for thought to to flourish um i don't think we see enough of that but i see a, a lot of your journalism background coming into that and even the way you described it of saying there's a lot of this has been kept secret but not here we're not looking to keep things secret we're looking to encourage the conversation i can see this boardroom that you've described um this conference room that you've described in my head and and it almost feels very freeing um to to know that i can sit down and not nothing is privileged as you said that's that's a very great environment um thank you for I'm sharing gonna, that i'm going to can i yeah. can i tell you a little story please, so please. the center desk the central desk in my office we our office is an is a is an old art deco building in in mumbai and um the flooring is very beautiful it's the old italian mosaic flooring mm-hmm. and the center of the flooring is a is almost like a it's a it's a series of triangles it's very beautifully okay laid down the flooring and sitting on top of this center is an oval table and this table is very special uh and we let everybody know it's part of our initiation for anybody that comes into gateway house uh that was a dining table of daniel pearl who was a friend of mine if you remember he was a journalist who who was captured and killed uh by um, by the terrorists in 2001 so when danny when danny uh danny was a wall street journal correspondent in in bombay 
And he went on vacation and then was sent off by the Wall Street Journal to go and investigate the the shoe bomber case. Mm -hmm. And like a good journalist, he went after the money. He knew when you find the funding, you found the culprit. And of course, he found the culprit and he understood mm-hmm. the money because he was, a, he was not only a superbly sharp reporter, but he was also an extremely sensitive human being. So he knew what people were about. And he chose or not to chose to, re- to react to them, but they got to him first. So um, the story, uh, when, he, when, he, when he died and his wife left, and um, I actually bought the dining table. I, we, I kept his dining table. Um, in my home. My mother actually kept it because she'd met him and she was so charmed by him. And when Gateway House was formed, it was already planned that this table would be in the center of whatever new initiative took place with me. And so this table is at the center to remind everybody that A, you always pursue the truth. You have to, you have to understand where it is uh, and you can choose or not choose to uh, respond to those who are who are there to harm you or not. But this is the table is representative of international affairs. It really is mm-hmm. because this was a, he died with an act of terrorism. It is yeah. sitting in the middle of our table, and he is an inspiration to us every day. And everybody at Gateway House <laughs> knows. Uh, that when they sit at this table, uh, there is a certain, um, I don't want to call it an act. It's just, it's a, it's a little bit of a sacred feeling. And it's also a dedication. It's a lot of bit of a sacred feeling. If I can feel it from just your story. Um, Yeah, that, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I'm very happy you did. Um, That's something for people to know. Yes. and, and we lay the ground rules for those to follow. I think that even ties back to your earlier conversation is that we're leading the charge. We're laying those ground rules. And even Danny, in, an, in a way that he had no intention of doing, I'm sure, with the dining room table, is every day leading the way now with this yes, he inspiration. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. I don't think we can ever really truly know the legacy that we're going to leave behind and in what ways it will impact others. And, yes. and that should hopefully fuel every decision we make into the the light, into the the good, the positive, into bringing up those around us rather than putting them down. That's right. Um, Well, coming from that um, and and telling about his story and telling how it inspires you every day, um, as we move into 2022, the new year, we're seeing a a surge of, of popularity of women-led stories, women perspective stories, something we haven't seen in media for, for, uh, for a good long time, or at least not in the way that we're seeing it now, not in, in the forefront of media. Um, I was wondering if you could give me your perspective on that, of how we can keep further encouraging stories for anyone that has not been in the forefront. You can keep encouraging that mentality of let's not just repeat the same perspective we've seen over and over again, but encourage hearing outside. Yes, and that is really critical because you're right. There's a whole dimension that comes with uh, with the stories that women tell mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't come with the others. We know the other stories, right? They're familiar. Uh, yeah. The script is predictable. Yeah, the skit right? is different, but the script is the same. Yes, correct. And used to be, Joe, that the women used to always 
fall in with that old script because they really wanted to fit in. Mm -hmm. uh, and then somehow it's become really okay to have your own script because now there are so many more of us who have another script. And mm -hmm. so we are starting to make it mainstream. And this is still very much an elite project to get women to speak up. But it is our duty as an elite force to speak up for the sisterhood mm -hmm. and speak up for the rest of our sisters who haven't as yet found a voice. These things are changing slowly. And part of it is only because there are so many other good men and women mm -hmm. who are encouraging uh, who are encouraging women. Uh, I'll tell you something. That, so small pieces of, of encouragement. This in India during the, um, um, every year, the honor, we have an honor roll and uh, people are honored for what they do. Okay. Well, last year, a series of women were honored from being tribals who saved the environment in their village to uh, women who started orphanages and schools, uh, to women who were, you know, who used to do the garbage collection, but who started recycling. Today, the president of India made a very interesting statement. He said that the burden on women today is triple fold. First, they were householders. They have to do the household duties and it's unpaid. Second, they go to work and they do their household duties. And now, today, during the pandemic, they do the household duties, they go to work, and they have to teach the children. And so the burden on women is, has tripled. Mm -hmm. And it was fantastic to hear the head of state um, make this statement, because it is an endorsement. Mm -hmm. If other men are also feeling that way, um, this supports them in saying, there's too much of a burden on my spouse, mm -hmm. right? Because there's a lot of family pressures in India still, or let the women do this, etc. This is all, all these are the things that will help to start changing things. So there's a, there must be pressure from the top. Mm -hmm. uh, there must be recognition and acknowledgement from the top. And there must be constant leading the way from people like us in whatever way we can, no matter how small or big. And in the end, for the younger generation, wherever they come from, they have to also understand that just because they've moved ahead, they may, may not, they are not allowed to just charge forward without pulling a few hands with them. Mm -hmm. And so these are the messages that have to be constantly, um, constantly reiterated and reinforced. And we have to always remember not to break the generational change, uh, the chain of change. So... Mm -hmm. We forge ahead. We must carry those with us, the younger generation, women on the side, women in front, women at the back of us. We really have to do it, and we have to do it consciously all the time um, so that it just becomes second nature. Yeah, yeah. The, the chain of change, that, that, that's a great phrasing. That's going to stick with me. Um, but it, it, the struggle, I mean, this is something that's been said before too, but the struggle for equality is never easy. You know, just as, as women move into the workplace, which wasn't always a thing as you commented on, there's an inability to leave these other responsibilities behind. And it sounds like that is yes. what was just recognized today is that the, 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 the workload is, is adding up 
and to still keep forward takes even more determination to keep moving right. with that heavier load, uh, you know, to burden, to carry you. Um, wow, that, that, that's a big statement. That is a very big statement. You said that was just today. Just today, the president of India. Oh, and wow. it is critical, critical to, to remember this. It is just really important that it is acknowledged at the very top levels and it has been stated publicly. Yes, it is. Well, that, that was another great story to share. We got a little current events going on here as well. Unexpected <laughs> current event. Something else I've asked my guests and I'd like to do as we head towards wrapping up our, our, our talk here today is to bring it back to this warrior queen mentality, right? We've been talking about it the whole time. To bring it back to the, the key words on it. Are there certain phrases that come up in your mind that you connect to the warrior queen of John C because you're so familiar with the history of it or just the general phrase as well? Um, I mean, they, they, there is so much one could say. Yes, I'm going yeah. to say apart from apart from courage, right? Uh, I would say there is one phrase that is very important, and that is femininity. Mm. Um, this is an, I mean, this is what women, all women have, right? Femininity, and we should not be afraid to use it. Uh, and I don't mean it in the old tawdry way of using it, but I mean to use it. Um, to our best advantage. It is our advantage and we must use it. Uh, we must use our femininity to, um, to express ourselves, uh, to keep ourselves in good glow. We must do it to also keep the sensitivity in, in the action. Sometimes when you, when you have to be very courageous um, and you have to be harsh, one must remember always to keep the sensitivity there because that's what femininity yeah. has. It has the sensitivity. And um, I think also that one should not hesitate to use it. For instance, I mean, when I was a journalist, uh, even though it was a business journalist, there was really, uh, women sometimes are just, just speak, speak softer than men. And they have a way of asking for things Mm -hmm. That is less. Uh, that is less uh, abrasive mm -hmm. uh, than men, and also women don't expect. So they usually always ask. They don't demand. They usually always ask. And I think that these are the advantages that women have, and that femininity has, uh, that we should continue to use. Actually, because it's a good example for others to follow as well. Yeah. There is no reason why anybody should demand, but they should ask. There is no reason why people can't be sensitive. So I think that we should we should try and do that. We've thought many, many times, uh, Joe, one of the things that we've been, uh, as a think tank ourselves, struggling with is, being, is to say, you know, we, we want to write about women in foreign policy. Mm -hmm. And we've been trying for 10 years to think about how we express women in foreign policy. I mean, is it more women? in the world of policymaking? Is it the role of women in policymaking? Is it more feminism in policymaking? Um, and we really haven't come to a conclusion yet. I, I don't know. I think recently the countries that have done very well in getting women to participate in policymaking in, uh, in a substantial way is Europe has done very well with that. We don't know how those, we don't know the outcome of that. But at every other level, uh, women do participate in policymaking at the individual level. Mm -hmm. 
um, every day, they just never acknowledged uh, in it. You know, women uh, bureaucrat, women who are senior in uh, senior officials in villages, uh, they do participate, but we're not able to quantify that as yet. And maybe, maybe we thought maybe this is just un- unquantifiable. Maybe women being in foreign policy is really such a natural thing mm. that it is, it is, it's unquantifiable, undefinable, and maybe we should just wait and stop and not think about how to define it, right? Um, and wait till it reveals itself. So at some point we're going to do it. But I, I think that definitely it is, it is a sensitivity and femininity should be used uh, while one is trying to uh, just keep on your path. Yeah. of moving ahead. Yeah, and I think what you the the concept of femininity, what you put in my head is very very interesting because it's about just not losing what makes you unique. I know we're speaking in a very general sense of, yes. you know, of this femininity spirit, but just like you can say for a man, you could say for any person. I, I've had friends who who go through a different job, right, and they they are progressing in their job, and then three years later, they're not this unique person they are anymore because they've conformed to get what they want. Yes. It's the same dynamic. We're talking about the exact same thing um, is that you don't want to lose yourself, you know, just because you're a woman in foreign policy or whatever field doesn't mean that you should go in there and then act like the men, because what are you changing? What, what, what new are you bringing to the table? If you're just conforming into what's there. It's keeping right. who you are. Am, am I correct? Is that what you're you're, you're yes. getting at as well? Yes, it's uh, yes, and that is also uh, that is also very yes, because <laughs> you don't want to lose your essence, mm-hmm. right? And the running of Chasi was always feminine and feminist. I mean, she was always known for her beauty. Right. I mean, these are things that we all grew up thinking about, and it's this film and talking about this makes us all understand the characters that we admire so much better. A, it humanizes the character, mm-hmm. um, which I think the film does very well. Mm-hmm. I agree. Makes, makes it relatable in, not, in a very close way, not in a distant way. And I think that also we need to, we need to ensure that this is a line that I... Uh, I learned from Joseph Campbell, you know, the heroes of all time have walked before you, so you should not be afraid of taking this journey. And so yeah. similarly with the warrior queen, you know, really the warrior queens of all time have, have ridden before you. And so back to where we started, we should not be afraid to follow in their path. Yeah, yeah. Joseph, can you touched upon one of my favorite authors there? You know, the concept of even the title of the book, The Hero with a Thousand Faces, um, a hero can be whatever you want it to be. And, and they've walked that path, as you've just said. So join them if you so choose. Yes. Well, thank you, Manjeet, for coming on the show. It has been an absolute pleasure having a conversation with you. Um, I wish you all the best. And, and maybe one day we will meet in person. We never know once we're through uh, all this. That's right. And we look forward to it. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. Thank and you, wishing Jen. all the warrior queens... Uh, great success and uh, forward march. Ah, forward march. That's a that's a good way to end it. <laughs> forward march. <laughs>